take you to Ephesians chapter number 4. And I want to read verses number 4 through verse 7. And I'm not going to hold you very long here. I'm just going to work my way through this passage. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now there's several things that we could lift from that as and I'm gonna I'm gonna work my way through it as I've said, but I don't know that there's a central theme necessarily, but I want to use that word rejoice. Rejoice. It all started with rejoicing here. And as we rejoice in the Lord Always. Amen. As we rejoice in the Lord, some people say, I can't explain how uh, even, even when I was faced with things that seemed like was strict opposition against me, I, I was just able to maintain my joy. I'm going to tell you, that's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that helps us in that. Lift up your voice to the Lord and let's give him praise together right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you, we praise you, we worship you. We truly honor you, God, for your word. We thank you, God, for your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I think for us to really grasp what's going on here in this verse or to really fully appreciate this passage of Scripture and what the Apostle Paul, who is the writer of this text, is endeavoring to say to us, I think we have to realize the conditions that this verse was written in, or this passage was written in. These were not favorable conditions. You know, it's easy to talk about worship when you have favorable conditions. It's easy to talk about praise and thanksgiving when everything's going good. It's easy for us to talk about uh, worshiping God when things are well with us. But things were not necessarily well with the Apostle Paul. In fact, we know that this epistle was written from a prison. And yet this man is saying in verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. And as much as he is encouraging those that he is writing to at Philippi, I'm sure that he is also, as David said, encouraging himself in the Lord by writing that. Sometimes we've got to remind ourselves of things that we know is right that we know are true, that we know is a principle that you can live by in the Word of God. Because when you find yourself in the midst of a problem, sometimes you have to go back and say, you know, I may not be feeling it, but it's still right. I may not have the inspiration to do it, but it's still right. It may seem contrary to what I'd like to do in the flesh, but it's still right. And he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And as if to to really underscore that or to emphasize that. He doesn't stop there, 
But he says, again, I say, rejoice. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. You can see here that this man in the midst of problem was still praising God. And I'm going to tell you that's a good thing to do. If you want your problem to ever change, if you ever want to come on out on top with victory, you got to learn this principle right here. First things first, you got to learn how to rejoice in the midst of trouble. You got to learn how to rejoice and praise God. Somebody said, I don't want to be a fake. Oh, I'm not asking you to be a fake. I'm asking you to have faith. I'm asking you to have faith that God is able to bring me out, that God is a redeemer, that God is able to do what his word says that he can do. So right now, right here at the beginning of this service, why don't we give some praise to the Lord? Amen. And it's almost like as he is talking about this rejoicing business and having joy even in the midst of being in a prison house that he makes a swift uh, transition here in the next verse and almost it seems a contradiction when he says, let your moderation be known unto all men. Where'd that come from? I mean, he's talking about praising. We're just about ready to, uh, to bust out the seams and rejoice and worship the Lord. Now he's talking about moderation. And moderation is, is not overindulgence, right? Moderation is the opposite of overindulgence. Moderation is balance in a simple word. And what he was saying is this. You can't give too much praise to the Lord. You can't rejoice too much in God. But while we're considering our plight and the opposition that is against us, let's let's be mindful of the fact that there's other people that are watching us and our response to what's going on. That's the thing that has blown my mind about this whole situation with the COVID-19. It's it's like the church is not responding like the world is watching. They're responding according to what they're feeling and their own needs and their own situations and not looking and responding as a a church that that has a world that is watching them. I'm going to tell you the world is watching us. We've been talking about God is able. Amen. They want to know, is God really able? We've been talking about God is all powerful and they want to know, is God really all powerful? We've been talking about God being in control and they want to know, is God really in control? We've been talking about God being on the throne and we need to show that God is still on the throne. So he said rejoice. Amen. They're watching you, Paul, while you're down there in the prison house. They're watching my fellow prisoners here. They're watching my response. If I was to send you a letter and tell you how bad it is and how how much I'm aggravated that I'm in this situation and I'm going through this problem and how down and out and depressed I am, then I would win nobody. I wouldn't be able to encourage anybody. So I'm going to let my moderation be known unto all men. I'm telling you, the Lord is at hand. We need to respond appropriately. Come on, it's time for the church to step out front. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for the church to stand up in faith. It's time for the church to witness to a world that is lost. It's time for the church to quit taking the back seat and move up to the front and realize God wants to expose the church for what it is. Amen. Amen. That's really what 
what problems do and troubles do, it exposes what is already there. As I was saying a little while back about pressure reveals contents. Well, in the same train of thought, that's what we're talking about right here. Pressure and problems and difficulties and trials, it reveals what is in your heart already. Amen. And whether or not you're able to rise above and able to have faith and trust in God, all of that, all of that is revealed in the fire of trials and the trials that we go through and problems that we go through it manifests just how powerful God is in our lives then he goes on and he says be careful now he's talking about the Lord being at hand or the coming of the Lord amen he believed it that that I believe all the disciples believed or all the apostles rather believed in the New Testament in the imminent coming of the Lord. They believed that his coming could take place at any moment. We see evidence of that all the way through the scripture. They, they, didn't, they didn't act like it's, it's going to be a thousand years from now, even though it has been. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't believe that it was going to be. They lived their lives prepared, in other words. And there's much more evidence for that in the scripture. But I want, I want you to understand what's going on here. He said, the Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing. What is he saying there? Be careful for nothing. Is he meaning be careless? No. What you really find there is he's talking about anxiety. Amen. When you read this in other translations, that's what he's speaking about. He's speaking about worry and anxiety gripping a hold of the hearts of people. Fear getting in the hearts of people. And causing them to react and respond in ways that is not right or ways that are not biblical. And so what he is telling us here, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With prayer and supplication, I can keep it together. With prayer and supplication, I can always have the faith that God is going to take care of. Of my needs, and He's going to provide for me, and He's going to protect me. That way, I don't have to walk through life and the situations of life, always wondering what what what's going to what's going to be on tomorrow, what's going to happen, what's going to take place. And people that live their lives always uh, worrying about that, they don't accomplish m- much in the present. When you're always worried about the future, it paralyzes your present state, and it keeps you from progressing further in God. And you didn't understand. It's going to be impossible for you to receive the promises of God if you're paralyzed in a state of wondering, should I step out in faith? Should I believe God for this? Should I? You know, there's a lot of people when, when, when things go on like has been going on the last few months and, and we're faced with an election on top of it all. They start hoarding up everything. They start uh, cinching down everything. They start worrying about everything. I'm going to tell you, you need to be reminded that he is still the king of kings and he's still still the Lord of Lords. I'm not so much concerned about who's in the White House. I want to talk to you about who is on the throne. I want to talk to you about the one that's really in control and really is able to give us peace and really is able to help us through situations in our lives. God, praise God. So he is telling us, don't be careful for anything. What is, don't worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. 
with thanksgiving. Oh, yeah, with thanksgiving. I'm going to tell you, when you pray and make your request known to God, the reason why some of us don't ever receive an answer to our request is we haven't thanked God for the last one that he answered for us. We haven't showed appreciation for all the prayers that he has come through and all the prayers that have been manifest in our lives. I want to preach to you, if you want God to do it again, thank you for what he's done. Praise him for what he's done. Show appreciation to him for what he's done. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I think it's so imperative when we come to the house of God that we not just be talking about God I want you to do that and God I want you to do this over here. God I want you to answer that. Come on. We're not that selfish. We realize that God has answered a whole lot of prayers in our lives. We don't even deserve to be here. He doesn't have to answer anymore for us to give some thanksgiving and some praise unto God. Come on, mix some thanksgiving with your request. Mix some thanksgiving with your prayer. Give some praise with your prayer. And you'll see a whole lot more powerful results. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Give him a wave offering right now. Somebody just give him some thanksgiving across this place. Again, I remind you, he's in the prison house. And yet he's encouraging these people at Philippi as he's writing to them. And he says, and the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts. Well, I want to say, hey, buddy, you're the ones in prison. Maybe you ought to think about him keeping your heart. But he said, no, 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 no. If you understand what I understand, if you got what I got, you don't have to worry about your circumstance. You know that everything's in God's hands. You know God's in control of it all. God's going to take care of it all. God, I'm not going to worry about the future because God's got it all in his hand and I'm a part of his plan as long as I'm doing his will. It doesn't matter if I'm in the prison house or I'm somewhere, amen, gathering with the people of God and preaching to them in a pulpit. As long as I got God on my side, what could the enemy do? What, you pray, tell me, what could the enemy do to defeat me if I've got God on my side? The peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts. The Bible tells us that we have a responsibility in all of this to keep our hearts with all diligence because out of our hearts flow the issues of life. And so we have to, mainly what that's talking about when it talks about that in the book of Proverbs with the wise man, it's talking about keeping things out of our hearts that don't belong in our hearts. you gotta, you got to have some times of, of, of weeding your heart if I could use that illustration. Amen. You, you, can, you, can, you can do landscaping. You can, you can plant a crop. You can plant flowers and a flower. Whatever you do. But if you think that you can just put the seed in the ground or the little beginning of the plant in the ground and walk off and leave it and never return to it, and it's just going to on its own be beautiful with no nurturing, with no cultivation, with no weeding out of anything, it's just going to stay that way. you got another thought coming, right? Most of us understand that it takes periods of time of maintaining it. And you know what I found about that, at least in my experience, and I'm, I'm not got the 
greatest yard in Texarkana, but at least I, I, I try to have one that's presentable. And uh, it seems like I'm always a day late and a dollar short on, on this uh, fertilizing. And, and, you know, I'm always thinking of it when it's a month or so past the time that you're really supposed to do it. So what it ends up doing is burning off my good grass. So my yard finally gets green before it starts to go dormant again. You know, I, I enjoy my yard about October. And then November, it starts getting brown again. I was like, man, you just got green. I said, if you'd quit putting that stuff on it in, in a time and a season when you're not supposed to, you'd be a whole lot more successful having a green lawn. But anyway, I have noticed that with flower beds or areas that, you know, if I put it off and, and say, you know, I'm going to do this just uh, uh, sporadically. I'm not going to weed this thing uh, very often. Then it's a big job when it comes time to do it. But if I do it daily, you know, just take two or three weeds out. And, and as I'm going to the car or whatever, or when I notice them, if I go ahead and take care of it then, it's a whole lot easier to deal with it on an everyday basis than to let it grow out of control. Then you you, you got a situation where you you got a uh, you got to get back control or take dominion of it again, and it's a big ordeal to have to to deal with. But if you had just maintained it every day, it would have been a whole lot easier, and it would not have gotten out of hand. Oh, there's so many things when it comes to our hearts that we, if we deal with it on a daily basis, that little anger that swells up on the inside of you, if you just bring that to the altar every day and say, God, don't help me to be temperate. Help me to show moderation. Help me to have a good spirit. Help me to get that weed out. That little bitterness, that little sprig of something that tries to grow in your heart because of something that happened to you 15 years ago. You you were done wrong or taken advantage of and you still hadn't. Come on, the best thing that you could do is not let that grow and spread in your heart like a cancer but get down to the altar and say God dig it out now get, let me deal with it now let me overcome it now oh yes oh yes it's so important uh, that we deal with things on a daily basis not just wait until Sunday rolls around but during the week be praying and getting a hold of God and seeking the Lord and saying God I want you to help me to walk right I want you to help me to live for you I want you to keep me sensitive to the spirit help me to follow the leading of the Holy Ghost help me to know the will of God day by day because God I know in me there is no good thing I know that this is a field that is fertile to be destroyed by the corruption of the world you know if you're going to grow good seed if you're going to have a fruitful life you're going to have to do it purposely if you're going to grow fruit trees it's a little different than just growing some little scrub tree you're going to grow fruit trees. You're going to have to keep the insects off of them. 
You're going to have to do whatever possible to nurture them and water them and keep them uh, from freezing and all those kinds of things and the elements from getting to them. If you're going to have flowers or plants, you know, those of you that are green thumbs, you, you understand there's times you got to bring them in to the right climate and there's time they got to have sunshine and they got to be put outside and there's times that you want them but you can't overwater. What am I saying? you got to be intentional about it. If you're going to live for God, some of you need to get intentional about living for God. Some of you need to get intentional about living in victory and being used of God and be anointed of God and living successfully for God as long as you just go through life uh, just like you're coasting down a river just floating down the river this thing leads me I'm going to tell you I've been on the Sulphur River I've never really been much on the Red River I've looked at it a few times and thought better of it but I have been on the Sulphur River and if you just get in a canoe on the Sulphur River and so I'm just going to go where this thing takes me. I don't think you're going to make it but a few hundred yards. And then an alligator's going to get you. Because there's all kinds. You know what? I've been on that river. You can't hardly tell what's the main part of the river when it's flooded. Matter of fact, when you start motoring back up it, it's hard to tell. You know, is this the main body of the river? Is this the main river channel? Or we got off somewhere because there's current everywhere. It's overflowed its banks. It's hard to know what's going on. You can't let life just take you wherever it wants to. You got to be purposeful about this. You got to, you got to like a ship, get a rudder in this thing and say, you know what? I'm going to let God direct me. I'm going to let God help me. I'm going to let God. I'm, I'm going to use. Uh, I'm going to use the wisdom that God gives and the Spirit uh, to, to lead and guide. And I'm going to be sensitive to that. They tell me that sailors that that really sail and know a lot about sailing, they're so sensitive. They're sensitive to the wind. They're sensitive to the currents of the water. They can tell by how the water's lapping up against the ship, uh, just what direction their ship is in the water and what direction that they're going and if they're on the right course they don't even have to go and look at the stars or the sun or the moon to try to get on course they can hear it on the current of the ship and the water lapping against it that's how sensitive they are we need to become we need to hone our senses in God so that we realize hey I've gotten our course here this requires a little course correction this requires me do a little something different because I want to be saved and I don't want to just be drifting aimless through life keep my heart and then keep my mind and I'm going to just tell you in conclusion here this evening this is probably the biggest thing in this hour to deal with because the devil we understand has a certain amount of access to people's minds I don't think I have to use a lot of scripture to prove that because most of us realize that because we live in it. Amen? How many living, breathing folks we got in here tonight? Y'all ain't dead, are you? Still got a heartbeat. Sometimes I wonder about some of you. Nevertheless, you, you understand that our mind if you think on something, you know, the old saying is, way before a lifestyle or a routine or a habit is created, it starts with a thought. Thought leads to an action. An action done enough leads to a habit. And a habit, a lifestyle. 
And a lifestyle leads to wherever a person is going to spend an eternity, right? And so it all begins with a thought in a person's mind. Our thinking facilitates our future. I want you to grasp that. Our thinking facilitates our future. And I'm not into this thinking, grow rich stuff. I'm not the power of positive thinking, Norman Vincent Peel guy. But I can tell you that that's one thing that we have control of by what we feed ourselves with. We do have control of it. Somebody said, well, I don't, you know, uh, what about every thought that enters my mind, you think I'm responsible for it? No, because I've told you, the enemy has a certain amount of access to you. But what you, a thought and thinking and pondering on something is two different things. Meditating on something and and, and, and I know the Eastern religions and all of that, they've taken medi- meditation and all that, and they've twisted it to mean something other than what it should be scripturally. But it is a Bible word, you know, meditating on the Word of God. The psalmist said, on thy law, I will meditate day and night. So if we can bring our thinking back to the structure of the Scripture, if we can bring our thinking back into the confines of the Word of God, if we can bring our thinking around to what God says and not what the world says, if we can get our identity from the Word of God and not what the world tries to label us with. So many people are so worried about what the world thinks and trying to fit in with the world and trying to get along with the world and trying to be like the world, and yet they want to keep one foot in the church and one foot in the world that they're so twisted up and so confused that they don't know which way they're going. They don't know sick them from come here, and there's no, there's no, there's no end to all of that and how confused and what a, what a, a an existence to try to live when you're living undecided. We used to sing that little song, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided, all right, no singer, to follow him. And then it went on with that song and it talked about how that though the enemy comes, I've still decided. Though this may happen, I've still decided. I'm going to tell you, you've got to decide in your heart. Get it in your mind. That's why the psalmist said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow, I will fear no evil. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, what? I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's my mind's made up when it comes to church. I'm going to dwell with him. I'm going to live for him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to tell you there's power in a human person's will to make up their minds. I'm going to live for God and serve the Lord and I'm going to do what's right and God honors that. Why don't you stand with me right now? You got to make up your mind. You got to make up your The Bible said a double-minded man 
That's not just talking about the male gender. That's talking about everybody. A double-minded man is unstable. It means they're running the aisles on one Sunday night. Next Sunday night, you wonder not if they're backslid or not. I wonder where they're at. That means that they're sporadic in their relationship with God. If you're sporadic in your relationship with God, it's because there's a division in your mind. You've allowed the enemy to creep in. If you're always struggling whether or not you're going to make it from one service to the next, there's something wrong with your relationship with God. I hate to notify you of that. Uh, but you know what? Sometimes we got to diagnose things. we got to call it as it is. And I'm just telling you, if you can't make it from Sunday to Wednesday with a victory, and I know we all go through things, but if you're constantly in that, in that throes of whether or not I'm going to live for God from day to day, there's something wrong with your experience. Because when you get the real Holy Ghost, when you get the real power of God on the inside, amen, there's nothing in this world that really appeals to you any longer. And that's the problem. When you allow there to be space in your heart for the devil to occupy, for the enemy to occupy, for temptation to come in and lure you away, then you start being attracted to things. You need to stay so full of the Holy Ghost that none of these things, as the Bible says, that Jesus made the statement that when the enemy come looking He said, he found nothing in me. In other words, there was no space for him to occupy. Help me to be full. Help me to be full. Because there's a danger in there just being a little bit of my mind and heart that is open to the ways of the world. There's a danger in that. Help me to be full. I wonder if you couldn't raise your hands and say, God, help my life to be full help my heart to be full help me to be full of the joy of the Lord help me to be full of the peace of God help me to be full of the righteousness of God help me to be full of the spirit just like the Bible talks about full of the spirit God I want to be full oh God help me to be full in Jesus name come on pray Pray and reach out to the Lord. God, help me to be full. In Jesus' name, I love you, Lord. I thank you, God. I give praise unto you. Come on. I think we need to press this a little further. Why is it that we so easily can can get distracted? I think we need to reach out to God and let Him move in our hearts and absorb as much of Him as we need to in this service tonight. God, I want to be full. No room. For any, anything to tempt me and to lure me away from God. No room. No room in my heart for anything that is unlike you. No room for immorality. No room for lewd thinking. No, no room. No room for, for temptation to come. No, no room, amen, for a bad attitude or bad spirit. i got to keep the joy of the Lord in my heart. i got to keep my heart before God. 
In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, if you want to come to this altar, you're welcome to. Oh, but let's come and say, God, help me to be full. Help me to be full of you. Help me to be full of your spirit. Help me to be full, God, of your your touch and presence in my life, your anointing, God. Let me be full. In Jesus' name, I don't want to go, God, with half the experience that I that I need, but God, I want to have a full experience in the Lord. Come on, let's let's seek after Him. Let's call upon Him. Let's reach out to Him right now. Is anybody hungry for more of God? The Bible said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled or full. Amen. If you're hungry, you can be filled.